You're listening to a Radio 191 FM podcast. And now it's time for business as usual. Two days ago, the Fair Pay Agreement Bill passed its third reading and currently awaits royal assent. The bill has been in the works since Painga Fafa, April, and it aims to provide a stronger base for employee rights in Aotearoa. The legislation is geared toward low-paid industries and will support workers' wages, guaranteed breaks, holidays, pay increase pathways, secure hours, processes for dealing with bullying and sexual harassment in the workplace, as well as health and safety. The Fair Pay Agreement Bill has been met with criticism that it will create additional complexity, cost and reduce flexibility for employers. Given all this, it seems important to ask how the bill will impact workers' rights and how it will affect the relationship between employers and employees. Joining us now to speak on these new fair pay agreements and workers' rights in Aotearoa is Associate Professor of Economics Trent Smith from Te Whare Wananga o Otago, the University of Otago. Kia ora, Trent. How's it going? Kia ora, Zach. I'm well, thanks. Good to hear. Um, now, these pay, uh, fair pay agreements are sector-specific and guarantee certain minimum conditions for workers. Is this a positive step forward for workers' rights in Aotearoa, New Zealand? Uh, oh, well, from the perspective of workers' rights, it's hard to say no. Although, to be honest, they're, um, they're the sort of the counter-argument to these kinds of uh, agreements are... Um, uh, you know, people who don't think you should have unions at all like to argue about um, the the um, you know freedom of choice and flexibility and why can't you just why can't you just um, employer employee get together and have a one to one contract and honestly that's more or less how New Zealand work law works now that um, even even um, workplaces that are unionized it's typically not mandatory that that employees join and so. They um in the in the U.S. they call these uh, right to work laws where you can't be forced to join a union, and of course this generates a free rider problem where the you know the uh, workers can either you know pay the union dues and join the union or they can opt out and get the same pay without having to pay the dues, and so this 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 is a big dividing line which New Zealand hasn't had since 1991, right? That that um. We, we haven't had strong unions since the, we had our uh, economic crisis and the reforms that got put in place. So this is a big step forward in that sense, and that these sector-level or industry-level fair pay agreements are going to be uh, – they will be compulsory, and, and they'll affect everybody, and that will make the, the, um, the agreements that much more powerful. Speaking of union agreements, are there economic benefits to unions and strong employee rights, and do these outweigh the perceived costs for employees? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, you can d- debate this. The, the, I, I like to look to the the, the new evidence that uh, on the minimum wage that we've talked about on the show before, and the you know the sort of you can uh, the the standard line, the standard sort of theoretical economic line for many years has been that. Minimum wages uh, decrease employment, right? They decrease the number of jobs because wages have to go up. Um, but in practice, when economists have actually gone out and the, uh, looked at the evidence, um, it's it's that's really not true. Like the net benefit is almost all positive of minimum wage laws. Uh, you know, you typically don't have a lot a big decrease in jobs, um, and it winds up being mostly just a transfer from bosses to workers, right? The, the workers have more money, and then that has net benefits for the entire economy, right? 
workers have this money in their pockets instead of you know sitting in the uh, in the boss's safe in the back room that money is out in the economy now creating jobs and and uh, stimulating the economy so um, the hope is is that fair pay agreements will do the same thing on a bigger scale right so it's not just we have a very strong minimum wage in New Zealand that's uh, that's one thing we do have but um, you know these sector level agreements are going to lift lift up the floor uh, and and not just in terms of pay but in terms of working conditions um, for sectors other than you know workers that aren't just at the very bottom and near the minimum wage level so you'd say this would be a good tool in in combating the cost of living crisis for many of uh, Aotearoa's most vulnerable it, it has that potential yeah i mean the uh you know, to benefit from this as a worker, you need to be in one of these sectors that's got one of these agreements. And there's a lot of institution building to that, to be done before that happens, right? You, I mean, you have to define the sector. You have to uh, have um, workers, enough workers in the sector sign the petition to, to institute it. Uh, and then negotiations have to happen. I mean, this honestly, this this may be coming too late in the election cycle, right? Because the the uh, you know if the opposition wins, they're already saying they'll immediately undo this thing, and it will take long enough to actually put these things into place and for workers to see the benefits that, uh, it, it, that those benefits probably won't come before the election. Right, and looking at the legislation in general, what would it mean for employers on the other end? Well, for employers, um, this well, okay, so. Um, what these agreements will do, well, they'll set a they'll set a bottom, right? Minimum rules around working hours and scheduling and and pay for a given classification of worker. And so, if you're an employer who's already meeting those minimums, there's there's essentially no cost to you, right? It's really the the um, you know it's really the, it's really the bad employers that that um, get affected by this. And I mean, for them, it could potentially be very costly, right? <clears throat> What will this legislation mean for employers? Um, that, didn't you just ask Wait, me that? Yeah, oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, my God. Oh, sorry. Before you mentioned uh, 1991, um, in our email, Kurero, you mentioned that you know workers' rights have been somewhat diminished since 1991. Was this due to the Employment Contracts Act? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. There, I mean... It's, it's, so I wasn't around back then, or I wasn't here anyway back then in 1991, but... The, um, boy, the stories I hear about those days, right? Uh, New Zealand's economy was so controlled and there was uh, very little international trade. And um, But there were strong worker protections and strong unions. And um, um, But, you know, clearly reforms needed to be made, and boy, did they get made in a big way. And that, that, that 1991 law really um, just sort of in one fell swoop erased all these worker rights that had existed for so long. Yeah, and so and, and ever since then, there have been people arguing that maybe we went a little too far, and maybe we should uh, bring some of those back. So that's what this is about still today. Kind of go from one extreme to the other. Yeah, yeah. How does legislation like this fair pay agreement compare to other policies that would support low income workers, like a UBI? Yeah, so the the um, the UBI, the universal basic income. This is the idea that. Uh, uh, that everyone, everyone, regardless of what your income or your age, or maybe maybe you have to be an adult, but re- regardless of what your income is, you get you get a, a fixed payment from the government, right? So everybody gets, and you could pick a number. Everybody gets a thousand dollars a month, mm-hmm. 
or something like that, right? And um, and boy, that and that sounds great. And but then, of course, economists like me will tell you, well, you do have to worry about inflation uh, if you suddenly just started handing out such money, and you could potentially prevent the inflation by increasing taxes at the higher end and so forth. And so, but. And a UBI sounds kind of radical, like, oh, my God, you're just giving people free money. But if you think about the way our tax system works now, the way income taxes work, it's it's a progressive scale, right? So the more income you make, the higher the proportion of uh, taxes you pay on your income. Um, and it can go all the way down to – I mean, it can go down to zero if you make little enough, right? And – but, you know – UBI is just saying, well, we don't have to stop at zero. We could go negative, right? And so UBI is sometimes called a negative income tax. If mm-hmm. your income is low enough, the government gives you money. So it's a negative, it's a sort of a negative tax in a sense. Um, and this is a this is a pretty old idea. You know, Milton Friedman used to talk about this, an American economist um, who is you know, sort of very pro market American economist. And the reason he liked ideas like the UBI is that it's um, it's Universal, it's um, the administrative costs are low, and you could potentially um, sort of eliminate a lot of the other welfare support that's that's very costly to implement. Uh, could a job guarantee also be be uh, pretty helpful and, and come in hand with the fair pay agreement? Yeah, job guarantee has been talked about a lot lately. This is the the sort of the modern monetary school people. This is the big policy they like to wave around and. Th- and so how a job guarantee works is it's the idea that um, the government guarantees you a job. And so, uh, you know, and it would be a very low-wage job. Um, and, in fact, you, the, they say that you could actually sort of get rid of minimum wages if you had a job guarantee, right? So if you can't, if you can't get a job, you can just go to the government and they promise they'll find you a job. Um, and, and so the reason the MMT people like the job guarantee, uh, or a big reason they like it, is that it's an automatic stabilizer of the economy. So if you're coming into a recession, um, you know, you know, by the time the you know economic statisticians work out that we are we're heading for a recession, uh, it might be uh, might be too late, right? You have a lot of people suffering already. If you have a job guarantee, it sort of automatically stabilizes itself, right? So. In, instead of waiting for the economists to work out we're in recession, people just go and get the job when they need it from the government. Um, so it's kind of a it's a pretty clever idea, and it's the idea is that you um, you have this reserve workforce of uh, this reserve pool of of guaranteed jobs instead of a reserve uh, uh, workforce of unemployed people. And so it's it's a much kinder, gentler system. And because of the way it works, because you only expect these jobs to be taken up when the economy is slow, you don't have to worry about inflation. It's, so it's uh, it's it's got it's got good reasons, good good arguments behind it. The job guarantee does. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the I mean, the thing that's weird about it is implementation, right? So. How does it? Can we really expect the government to do this well? <laughs> to, to you know generate potentially many many jobs uh, all of a sudden when they need to. And the the MMT school likes to um, say they talk about this uh, quite a bit, and they they like to say that um, it could be done on the local level, right? So you could give the Dunedin City Council authority to hand out job guarantee jobs and they'd be very low paying but they could potentially be good jobs that are even maybe tailored a bit to the you know the skills of the person that that needs to work awesome um how would this also this job guarantee kind of stack up with the reserve bank saying that you know unemployment is a, a net benefit in combating inflation 
Well, they, they're in direct opposition. You wouldn't need that anymore. You wouldn't need to. So there are many times when re, the Reserve Bank and other central banks around the world intentionally create recessions. Uh, essentially, I mean, they won't say it that way, but when they're increasing the interest rates, that's essentially what they're doing, right? And they're they're in many cases hoping that unemployment goes up to to uh, um, you know to tamp down inflation. Uh, and with the job guarantee, you'd be substituting for that. You wouldn't. You'd no longer need to do this to our economy. You know, induce inflation, induce unemployment in order to fight inflation, uh, because you'd have this automatic mechanism that's um, kind of inflation-proof. It doesn't. It won't generate inflation. Yeah. That was a Radio One ninety one FM podcast. You can find more of them at r1.co.nz forward slash podcast.